This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp, wondering, is there a detente in the supposed Trump-DeSantis feud? I have a very good relationship with Ron and intend to have it uh, for a long time. We'll go in-depth in a moment about what's going on in front of cameras and behind them with the former president and the Florida governor. You'll remember Donald Trump was on Fox News calling Republicans who won't divulge their vaccination status gutless, and many saying he was obviously talking about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis because DeSantis on Fox Business had refused to say whether he's gotten the booster. Well, guess what? The governor still won't talk about his booster status. So that's something that, um, you know, I think people should just make their own decisions on. Um, I'm not going to uh, let that be a, be a weapon for people to be able to use. I think it's a private matter. We've worked hard to be able to protect people uh, so they don't lose their jobs on that. I have said publicly that, you know, the FDA recommended it against boosters for people in my age group and the CDC overrode that. And I think that was based on politics. I don't think that that was based on science. Two of the top FDA people actually resigned in protest. Many people didn't hear about that. You know why? Well, because it didn't fit the narrative. I can tell you, um, if you had a different president of a different party, that would have been hair on fire stuff, you know, that people would have been able to do. So in Florida, they've been available for people. People can make their own decisions on it. Uh, but it's not been something that, um, you know, that we've been telling people in my age group, you know, to go out and do. So does that mean the Trump-DeSantis supposed feud is still on? On Sean Hannity, Trump basically said, what feud? Let me ask you, uh, a friend of mine was with the Florida Governor Ron DeSantis the other day and uh, had a private conversation, but he, didn't, he said he's, didn't have, it wasn't confidential. And he asked if any of this, if, there's, if there is any conflict or bickering between you and him, and he said, absolutely not. He said, it's total BS. Is he right? Well, he is right. I get along great with Ron. Ron was very good on the Mueller hoax. He was uh, he was right up front, along with Jim Jordan and all of the rest of them. They were fantastic. The Republicans really stuck together, and it was a great thing. And Ron was one of them. And Ron wanted to run, and I endorsed him, and that helped him greatly. And uh, he went on, and he's done a really terrific job in in Florida. And I think you know Ron has been. Very good. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. It's totally fake news. I think Ron said last week, he said it very publicly, he says, the press is never going to get in the middle of my friendship with Donald Trump. We're not going to do that stuff. And he said it very strongly. I thought it was very interesting, actually, and very nice. But he said that, and I agree with him on that 100%. No, I have a very good relationship with Ron and intend to have it uh, for a long time. To try to sort out what's really going on, Sunrise hooked up with Florida politics reporter A.G. Gankarski to see what he makes of this apparent conflict between DeSantis and Trump. I think the key word there is apparent, honestly, Craig, because uh, Donald Trump went out of his way on Thursday to uh, say that it was totally fake news or there was any schism between him and DeSantis after, you know, at least a week of item after item where, you know, Trump is saying that, DeSantis is dull, or he's talking about gutless politicians who wouldn't disclose their booster vaccination shot status. Uh, even when he said good things about Trump on the Sean Hannity show, he compared him to Jim Jordan, um, the uh, congressman. That's not really where Ron DeSantis wants to be. Ron DeSantis sees himself as a 2024-type player of the future Republican Party, and Donald Trump's saying, uh, you're still a sideshow act. So even... 
even amid um, this era of good feeling, there are a lot of caveats and asterisks and footnotes attached um, because Donald Trump is saying that we're good as long as you uh, recognize that I'm the guy who made you. It's not often you really actually hear Donald Trump sincerely say somebody's, you know, great or a player. He's the only player in town, though, right? Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump is a transactional guy. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. I mean, and what he's shown in politics is the ability to um, turn friends into enemies, enemies into friends. I mean, you see how it keeps Republicans nationally in line. And, you know, that that's where DeSantis is boxed in. He can't really criticize the former president because Donald, it's still Donald Trump's Republican Party. And as Donald Trump would be the first to tell anybody, you know, it was his endorsement that elevated Ron DeSantis from a safe congressional seat um, to front-runner status in Republican primary. And then Trump came in in 2018 in October and it's basically the closer, you know, for the race against Andrew Gillum. And, you know, in that context, Donald Trump says Ron DeSantis owes him quite a bit. But um, Ron DeSantis is just as transactional as Donald Trump. And I, I think that's why it's creating this, this uh, interesting little dance between the two right now. I, I hesitate to bring the name Roger Stone into all this, but he did re- release a video uh, this week, this past week, saying exactly what you said in no uncertain terms about Ron DeSantis and that he wouldn't get the support to even run uh, for re-election from Donald Trump if he didn't fall in line in a hurry. Do we discount Roger Stone or is he, you know, you know, allowed to kind of ring that chime for the president in absentia, I guess? Yeah, I mean, Roger Stone is basically a proxy for Donald Trump. This uh, stunt gubernatorial campaign that that Stone keeps teasing. Um, you got to remember who Roger Stone is. He's a Richard Nixon dirty tricks operator. This is not the guy that Ron DeSantis wants as a political enemy. And you can say, well, none of the Democrats look like they can match him in November. Well, perhaps, but you know, Roger Stone is a chaos agent who is willing to go beyond the line over and over again. And uh, he owes Ron DeSantis nothing. And uh, he owes Donald Trump quite a bit. And he's quite happy to run a, a late-life kamikaze mission against uh, you know, Donald Trump's uh, prodigal son figure here in DeSantis. And remember, he is a former convicted felon. That's keep, right. We, <laughs> we have to keep that in mind at all times, according to Roger Stone anyway. Now, to me, there was when you put the sound up against each other, Donald Trump saying people who didn't admit their vaccination status were gutless. And the statements that Ron DeSantis made on Fox late last year, it seemed obvious to me that Donald Trump was referring to Ron DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis had another opportunity at the end of the week to uh, say whether he'd been boosted and he's not going to play that game. Yeah, I mean, in in one sense, you can you can see the intellectual consistency in the Senate's position, although um, you have to wonder if it applies to anything else but vaccination status. It seems to be a sacrosanct kind of thing. But you know, in in another sense, this. This creates a really bad look for DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis isn't willing to say yes, no, or maybe. Um, and it, it's something that 
people on the right can hit them with, people on the left can hit them with, um, and they're going to um, because it, it points to a larger inconstancy. And when you look at Ron DeSantis' image construction, I mean, this is a guy who does not do unfriendly interviews. It's not just that he does only Fox News interviews. It's certain people on Fox News because the quote-unquote hard news people might ask him something he can't answer. So you've got somebody who's very conscious of image construction, sort of a Humpty Dumpty type. And um, this is the type of thing that uh, can knock him off the wall. You you just – kind of alluded to, I guess, the what this applies to in terms of this is a personal medical matter, so I don't reveal it because the governor's being very open about, you know, the tough time his family's going through with his with his wife's cancer treatment. Yeah, but but even there, I mean when he's answered questions on the record, um he's been he said that he's struggled with what to disclose, you know, between being a public figure and the private medical business of a family. Um, for better or worse, vaccination politics are a different thing than most medical decisions because the last two years has been pandemic-driven everything and has, fa- has forced a reexamination of everything from, you know, personal liberties to, you know, w- you know what vaccines are acceptable to take um, and these other questions. And, you know, for someone like DeSantis, um, who builds a lot of his reputation on questioning, quote-unquote, Fauciism. Um, the vaccine question is one that is too nuanced for him, and I think that's why he ultimately struggles with it. He doesn't struggle with criticizing Fauci. <laughs> no, he's fundraising <laughs> off that. He's got some flip-flops if you uh, want to buy them. I mean, I, I, well, I wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's got what? Flip-flops? I, yeah, he's uh, his campaign, not the governor's office, to be clear. The campaign is selling flip-flops um, regarding uh, Fauci's alleged flip-flops. And this is not the first merchandise that the Sands has pushed on Fauci. Um, you got to wonder about the logic of selling flip-flops in January. But <laughs> beyond that, um, it, it's another, another marketing gimmick from um, a campaign that doesn't seem serious threats on the horizon. So they're Fauci flip-flops is what you're telling me. Right. Uh, representing uh, Fauci's own flip-flops, quote-unquote, on uh, medical guidance of one type or another. And the governor does not let up on this issue no matter what he's doing, no matter whether he's announcing an infrastructure grant or a grant for expedited trucker truck driving training. Yeah, chop, he, yeah. He, Job grant, exactly. Yeah, job trading. Yeah, he brings up the pandemic and how he's handled it differently, and Florida's doing great. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's that's time after time he he hits these points: Fauci, inflation, you know, so on. It's kind of like watering the plants in the garden. Um, but you know, when when we look at any politician, you look at Rick Scott, who came before uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, there was a repertoire there too. Um, Ron DeSantis has taken it to another level, um, but you know when when you're integrating fundraising, uh, potential 2024 aspirations, and uh, policy messaging, um, you're basically going to have a cycle you come back to over and over again. Switching back a little more seriously, it was that map that the governor's office released part of imaging or a, a, a serious you know, message? to legislators to make the map more Republican friendly? Um, I, 
You know, that's that's the thing. The Senate clearly isn't taking it as a serious product. Um, the Senate's moved on from it, but you know, you could see it moved into the House discussion. The, this whole redistricting thing is going a lot slower in the House. Um, the governor does have um, some merit to his position in terms of some of these districts. Um, they are not geographically tethered in any way. Uh, Congressional District 5 in, in North Florida is one that goes from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. Um, and it was something that in 2016 when it was drawn, Corrine Brown, who was the incumbent of the, the district to replace, um, said that it was not a district that would perform for a black candidate or a Democrat. Um, so you move six years, um, you see more arguments um, against that district uh, from the governor's office. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens because – um, you know, he looks at compactness. His uh, general counsel, more correctly, is looking at compactness as, as a, a criteria and, you know, things like that. But it, it seems to be agnostic to the idea that you need minority districts. And that's the thing that's going to be tough to defend constitutionally. And that's why a lot of people aren't taking the proposal seriously. But it's a live proposal. They need to take it seriously. A.G. Gankarski, I appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about this as time marches on. Hey, thank you. Governor Ron DeSantis has issued a state of emergency in Charlotte and Lee counties in response to the severe storms impacting the area and displacing at least 300 people. The DeSantis order designates Kevin Guthrie, the director of the Division of Emergency Management, as the state coordinating officer in order to manage response, recovery, and mitigation plans to aid those affected. Last Sunday, the southwest Florida counties were hit with heavy rain, thunderstorms, and two confirmed tornadoes. The storms resulted in widespread power outages and damage across Charlotte and Lee counties. As of Wednesday, the National Weather Service had confirmed five tornadoes, an EF-2 in Lee County, two EF-1s in Charlotte County, and two EF-0s in Collier County. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. House Minority Leader Evan Jenny, Representative Ramon Alexander, and Representative Fentrice Driscoll will hold a media availability this morning at 10. Democratic lawmakers will hold a news conference to oppose proposed legislation that would prevent physicians from performing abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Participants in this news conference are expected to include U.S. Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, State Senate Minority Leader Lauren Book, State Representative Robin Bartleman, State Representative Christine Hunskowski, and State Representative Felicia Robinson. The House Ways and Means Committee will consider a bill filed by Republican Will Robinson that would require local tax referendums to be held in general elections instead of in primary, local, or special elections. Democrat Representatives Dottie Joseph and Yvonne Hinson will take part in a news conference this afternoon about decriminalizing marijuana and other drugs. The Senate Judiciary Committee will take up a proposal filed by Republican Senator Aaron Bean that would ratchet up immigration enforcement in Florida. The proposal, a priority of Governor Ron DeSantis, would expand a 2019 law that bans so-called sanctuary cities and would crack down on transportation companies that bring undocumented immigrants into the state. 
The bill also would require counties to enter agreements with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to participate in a program in which local law enforcement officers help in immigration enforcement, agreements that many counties have already reached. The Senate Commerce and Tourism Committee will take up two bills filed by Republican Senator Jim Boyd that would create a program to help replace polls to provide broadband in unserved areas. The proposal includes setting aside $400 million in federal stimulus money for the program. The Senate Environment and Natural Resources Committee will consider a bill filed by Democrat Senator Linda Stewart that would put a requirement in state law to provide $100 million a year for the Florida Forever Conservation Program. The House Commerce Committee will take up a bill filed by Republican Representative Linda Cheney that would extend the operation of the Visit Florida Tourism Marketing Agency to October 1, 2028. Under current law, the agency would have to stop operating October 1, 2023, if the sunset date is not extended. And the Senate Special Order Calendar Group will set a special order calendar that will list bills that are going to be heard on the Senate floor. That schedule posts 15 minutes after completion of Senate committee meetings. And finally, thanks to a tip from Florida Politics, Sunrise is now following at Cap Elevators on Twitter. It's dedicated to complaining about the new smart elevator system at the state capitol. This is one of those elevator systems where you press in the floor you want, and then the system will tell you what letter elevator to ride on. You got to have some faith, because once you're on, there are no floor buttons inside if you want to change your mind. Representative Dan Daly complained Wednesday that he and others were forced to take the stairs when the elevator they were assigned to never came. Department of Management Services Secretary J. Todd Inman told lawmakers that the new elevators cost $18.7 million. The system attempts to group passengers, and he says it's already reduced travel and wait times by 20 to 30 percent. The DMS sent messengers to elevators to apologize for problems, though, and to help guide people on using the elevators. Only press the button once, their handout said, or it'll slow down the system. Press it five times, and does the Candyman come instead of your elevator? That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.